Previously on Quest Friends. Ellie is a very small old lady. She has a folding chair strapped across her back that she fights with. It's reinforced by the same material that she actually has in her bones. Hey, so you mentioned back in Obsidian Bay that you've got um, a, a kazoo, was it? Uh, Are we calling did, it a kazoo? Did I call it a kazoo? Excuse me, but I I did expend, spend all of my uh, uh, currency payment, or as you would call it, information on this magical set piece. All right, well, that is the tour of our great city. Please stop at our shopping district if there is anything that you need. One thing I forgot to tell you, you found five pouches of gold with 16 shins in each of them. Woo! So if you split it evenly, you all got 20 shins. That's the money. Shins are money. That's what they are. So after that pleasant, wonderful encounter with the tour guide, you all eventually step off the boat onto a circular stone plaza. Tourists and elegantly dressed townsfolk walk between giant structures of stone and glass that seamlessly fuse a modern colonnade-heavy look with an assortment of ancient Numenera. It would all be really impressive, were it not so oppressively gaudy. There's a whole bunch of shops here. There was the Chardonnay. There's uh, fancy toms, fancy hats. And then in the corner of the plaza, however, right where you step off, is a five by five chalk square drawn on the stone pavement. And in the center of this is a metal golden square coin about the size of a quarter. And tethered to the coin by some rope is a small wooden sign with penny in pocket written in cheap paint on its top half. And beneath the name and slightly into the sign is a flipboard with the word closed. And as your eyes turn to this five by five chalk square with that golden coin in the center, the coin shakes for a few moments before a thin pole stretches out from each corner of the coin and touches the corresponding corner of the chalk square. The four poles then bend and prop the center coin up like a daddy long legs. The quarter continues higher and higher into the sky, eventually making the skeleton of a tent. And from the quarter unfurl four sheets of fabric bearing the pattern of a starry night sky. The side in front of you cuts itself down the middle and opens a flap to the inside of the tent. The sign with the name Penny in Pocket is now hanging onto the tent a few feet off the ground, and the flipboard inside of it flips from closed to open. Chuck is going to clap and jump up and down in delight and then rush into the tent. Guess we're going shopping, Hopper says, and then he's gonna follow Shuck in. Yeah, well, he's gonna follow. She's just kind of amused at the excitement, but intrigued. As you enter the tent, you find yourselves in a much more spacious, but still modest, store lobby. The ceiling seems to be made out of the same fabric as the tent, while the floors, walls, and shelves are made out of chopped logs. And if you notice, you also will notice that there's a stone in the center of that carpet ceiling that's just kind of like pressing up against it, kind of like a, a reverse paperweight almost. To your left is a thin person brandishing a gnarly, wizard-like beard. But he is not, in fact, a wizard. 
A small chest attached to his front are via shoulder straps, and on the side of this chest is a rather large funnel. Like a really absurdly large funnel, like probably the size of his like entire torso. And as you look towards this person, for a second you swear you can hear faint carnival music piercing your ears. Uh, but that sound is quickly overtaken by the whirring of saw blades and the sting of a hammer. These sounds seem to be coming from a wide staircase in the front right corner, which leads to a room that you just can't see. A warm light that occasionally flashes with increased vigor is coming from the staircase. Uh, are the stairs going up or down? The stairs are going down. And then finally, directly in front of you, is a wide desk blocking multiple shelves filled with an assortment of oddities, ciphers, and artifacts. In the middle of these shelves is another door-sized flap of fabric, and on the desk is a clear coin jar filled with numerous tubes that curl over each other and spiral downwards into the desk. And most importantly of all, is a young individual dressed in bookish attire beaming at you. Hi, welcome to Penny and Pocket, the best ciphers in Numenera for the very best of adventurers. My name's Hamish, how can I help you today? Shock is going to look around, a little unsure of what to do, just sort of like look to Hopper for uh, guidance on how to act in a store. Hopper will kind of like look at Shock and be like, oh, he wants me to do a thing. Hopper says, well, I guess we're pretty good adventurers. Uh, what, what does everyone want? What do they have here? Oh, yeah, so uh, Penny and Pocket, we're a store for the, for the best of adventures. Don't believe what everyone else tells you. Um, they're run by... What does everyone else tell you? Um, nothing, just, you know, big, big stores, you know, like, like fancy toms, fancy hats. They'll claim that their hats give you 0.3 defense. We have only 0.4 and higher, but they won't tell you that. Uh, anyways, um, my name my name is Hamish. I run this with my brothers. There's Ignatius, and he kind of gives a weird look to that bearded guy in the corner. He he deals with if if you want to trade anything, you can talk to him. Uh, if you want to build anything, you can talk to Ignatius. He's down the stairs over there. And then uh, uh, I mean, if you want to buy anything, then then you would talk to me. But well, I guess you do need a you do need a you do need a book, don't you, to know what we have. Give me one second. And he um he goes under the desk and you just feel it like slam a little bit. Like his back is just slamming against it or something is rattling. And he pulls out a book, probably about a foot thick, and he just slams it down on the table and says, well, this is our entire inventory. It's it's one of the books we have. One of the books. Oh yeah, no, we have we actually have a library system. Um yeah, it's just it's just a little key. And he like takes these little brochures that are really poorly made. They're like in that same poor handwriting you saw outside. <laughs> and it says, Hamish's amazing book library. And he says, I try to collect every book that I can. So um, if you just pay for for uh, one of the, the IDs, you can check out a book anytime you want. And then, you know, it, it might help you out on your tasks or, or whatever. Uh, and he hands the brochure to you. Huh. Can we get it? Can we get it, please? Yeah, Hopper's actually very interested in this. I think this would be a good idea. So how, how does it work? You just you just you use the key and then it gives you a book? Uh, yeah. So how it works is, and then suddenly time freezes for a moment. And we can see as the audience, Hamish talking to uh, the party and explaining how this library card works. But what we as listeners hear is Kyle just reading the effects of it to save himself some hassle. Uh, so the library access is a small key that when turned, scrapes the air and opens up an access to a directory that the player can use to request access to the Penny Library, a vast repository of books on any and every subject. 
The player can request and hold on to one book at a time. The book can answer one question about or serve as an asset to a task related to its subject. So like lockpicking, you can be like, what kind of thing should I use to open this lock? Or you can just use it to be easier, you know, picking a lock. Once per day, you can do this task immediately. Otherwise, you need to read the book for about 30 minutes before you can find the section that answers whatever you're looking for. Players must hold on to a book for at least a day before checking out a new one. Uh, and that costs five shins, which are the ninth world equivalent of dollars. And so time comes back after the GM's lazy version of explaining out of character. <laughs> and Hamish says, so yeah, that's basically it. Huh. Hopper isn't like jumping up and down like Jacques probably is. Jacques is visibly excited, but Hopper is visibly pleased with this. And he goes, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, we, we, we should get this. Okay, that's super exciting. That would be, be five shins, please. And he points to the jar. Yeah, Hopper will just deposit his own shins in there. All right, you bought that with five shins. Five shins. And he reaches into a drawer where you see just a deep wave of these coins, <laughs> unpurchased and unused. And he picks one up and he gives it to you and says, yeah, so if you want anything else, feel free to ask me for it. Otherwise, um, I, I would say, you know, really check out Ignatius been, has been building some cool stuff. And I think that would be worth checking out. I actually, at this point, we're going to kind of just, I think, hop out of character and like, you guys got money. I gave you a list of things to buy. You can buy that shit. Uh, and I'm, we're just going to cut out all the hemming and the hawn stuff of it. How much were book artifacts going to cost again? Book artifacts are generally tensions. Okay, so I could find that recorder headband we had discussed for tensions. Yeah, let me pull up the recorder headband so I can explain what it does. Recorder headband, a leather-like headband with a small device attached. This headband records everything the wearer sees as moving images that can be replayed and reviewed. It stores up to 100 hours of images. Depletion 1 in 1d20. If you save something deliberately was like, I want to save this moment forever, you're going to have to roll that 1d20 to see if it depletes. Yep. Otherwise, it'll just show you the past day's worth of recordings, and then it automatically deletes it to save memory space. Okay. For the sake of uh, for visuals, can I make it look like that that fake headband I was going to have back when we were first figuring out the, uh, the visuals, like the little plastic thingy over my eye? Yeah, so explain how that looks uh, since the viewers, well, the listeners, whatever, don't know what we talked about. Well, uh, when I was first designing Shock... I had the idea to give him this Dragon Ball Scouter style headband with like just a piece of plastic over one eye that he could use to analyze stuff. The original headband wasn't, it didn't actually do anything. It was going to get upgraded later. It was just a piece of plastic he wore to look cool. <laughs> but buying this, uh, this artifact now, I feel like would be the perfect time to bring that back in. Does Jacques think it looks cool? Oh yeah. Okay, Hamish is going to give it to you after you pay and say, well, I, I don't mean to say much, but that... Oh, man, that looks super cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, I didn't even know he had that. I should buy one. <laughs> okay, what else are we going to get? Could I also buy the shaper key? The cheap one, the five shins one. Yeah, uh, explain to me how the shaper key works. Uh, a shaper key is a wad of putty that can be inserted into a conventional lock. It takes on the form of the key for that lock and then hardens permanently into a functional key. Ari, has anything caught your eye? Yeah, uh... 
I think the caster clay might be fine. Okay, read to me what cla caster clay does. A mesh that wraps around one's head and adjusts its reflective surfaces to create the image on the wearer's choice. Generally lasts about an hour before needing to recharge, but complex images, for example extra masks and hats, may require more energy. Provides an asset to disguise task, lowering the difficulty by one step when you attempt to disguise yourself as another person, which could be really fun. Hamish will go, oh, caster clay, that's super cool. That's, um, and he's, he feels around and he's like, oh, I, I can't see it anywhere here. Where, where is it? And you see him reach in the air and pull what looks like an invisible book out of the air and he starts flipping through it and he doesn't see anything. So he grabs it and he puts it back up and he pulls a different one, like on the shelf right next to it. Uh, and you can't see it. It's like just in the middle of the air and he flips through it and he's like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. And he runs through that flap into the back of the store and comes out with a little box that says caster clay starting kit. Cool. Uh, and you see a part where it says for kids and he's just yeah. crossed that out and wrote cool adventurers and he gives it to you and says here's your caster clay oh i suppose i am a cool adventurer myself so this is certainly what i need mean. mm -hmm. very so, cool since i have six chins left can i buy another thing no yes i think i want to get a healing item that's what i want to get i want to get a spray flesh Yes, that's what I want to get. Okay. A spray flesh. What is spray flesh? says, this tiny slip silk canister sprays out a sticky gelatin that covers and seals wounds instantly. Its used to store six points, so characters might pull, also comes in spray vein and spray mind varieties. But I want to do a spray flesh. All right, so you buy spray flesh, plunk in those five shins, and you get a little box. A spray flesh. Cool. And as you get it, Hamish says, now be careful with that. Uh, once you spray it, it's it's a one-time use, so it'll it'll just get everywhere. <laughs> that is fine. Oh, I have one sheen left, so can I buy a rock? <laughs> uh yeah. No, we got uh we got we got lots of rocks. <laughs> and he pulls a rock and he's like, since you're since you guys have been so supportive, I'll I'll actually give you the best rock. And he pulls out a small rock, and it's got two pairs of eyes and a wide mouth drawn on it. No, I really appreciate the support you guys give me. And that's a rock fact. <laughs> what gave you the right? Hopper will be kind of sighing in the corner like, oh my god. Can I, can I, uh, retroactively role-playing wise, can we just think it's a very important rock just because it looks like a face, it looks different like all the other rocks? Yes. And in fact, uh, if you guys, if you want to help me out, and he points to the ceiling and you see that stone floating up there, and he says, so that's, that's called a float stone? It's a piece of rock that floats high into the sky and has like a negative weight of 10 pounds, and uh, it doesn't matter how it got up there. You see Tattertop in the corner just laugh to himself a little bit but i mean if you get it down you can you can you can take it with you that project isn't gonna happen anymore <laughs> what were you gonna use it for is it a highly valued item well um mm, mm, uh and you, you hear Tattertop in the corner say, well, it was less valuable than the jewelry that floated off with it. <laughs> it was an accident. Sure it was, brother. Shock would like to use Far Step to just teleport up to the top of the tent and grab onto the float stone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you do that. Again, that's about six feet in the air, so I'm going to need some speed defense to make sure you land on your feet. Sweet! Also, once I have dropped... With a, mm, with a five. Mm. Oh, uh, no. Can, mm. can we catch you? Yeah, Misha, try to catch him. 
Roll me some light. While I'm falling, uh, can I buy a first aid kit? <laughs> um, yeah, give me, give me a ranged attack roll to get that shin in that jar. Okay. 17. 17. It dings right in there and Hamish throws a spray flush up at you. No, a first aid kit, not a spray flush. Oh, first aid kit? Yeah, he throws a first aid kit up at you. Wow, that was super awkward. Hi, my name is Kyle. I am the GM. You've been listening to my voice an awful lot this past episode, and you might be a little bit confused as to why I'm not currently weaving a story of fantasy and shopkeeping to you right now. And that's because I've decided to move the announcements at the end of the episode to mid-episode. In this section, I mention important things and also give credit to people who are able to make this podcast happen. And so I felt it was important to put it someplace where people could hear it. Also, it's only gonna be like one minute. And so first credit goes to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, As you can see, this one's a little bit shorter than the rest. This is our shopping episode, which we'll have about once per arc, generally near the beginning. Sometimes it'll be a full episode. Sometimes it'll be part of an episode. It really depends on, on where breaks happen. And for this episode, it made sense to make it its own self-contained thing. The intro and outro music for this podcast are Friends and Hitoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. And any other sound effect or music that I used can be found in the description below. I got another call to action for you this week. Leave a review. I'll admit I don't know how specifically, but more professional podcasters than I have said that leaving a review either on iTunes or on whatever app you use can be very helpful. It's also good to just kind of get a vein on what people are thinking. So last week and this week, we had two episodes back to back to get onto our regular schedule, but we're going to be continuing as usual, meaning the next episode is going to be out in two weeks on Monday, December 18th. I'll see you then, but I'll also see you over the course of the rest of this episode too, I guess. What's the first aid kit do? It's it's a kit of various bandages, salves, and whatnot. It gives you a, an asset on healing checks. So if you ever make a healing check, it's one step easier. I don't know whenever you would need healing. We never get hurt, ever. Now, after he has grabbed this healing kit, he is falling to the ground. Misha, give me give me a might roll to try to catch him. Oh, okay. I thought it was done. Um, I rolled a one. Oh, oh, Jacques falls entirely, he falls right on his ass. And it's super embarrassing. And like everyone can see, and even Hamish is laughing a little bit to himself. But Misha! What, what I was picturing is Misha, like, you know, in those cartoons where, like, they try to catch it, but it's, like, completely the opposite side. So Sok just falls. But it fails up the other way. <laughs> That's what I was imagining, too. All right. Yeah. Misha, you smash your head against the counter. Uh, and that sounds perfect. A, a jar of something. We don't know what 
falls on your head and it just kind of sears you and that's how you take the five points of damage. Perfect. And you hear Hamish go, oh no, Gerald! <laughs> oh, poor Gerald. Hopper's just gonna, we're so sorry. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I got it. Sorry, my uh, my aim seems to be not on point this day. My apologies suck. It's okay, Misha. Are you alright? I have a first aid kit now. <laughs> I, I believe I am. My head is more sturdy than it looks. How much damage did Misha take again? Five. <laughs> well, let's try it right now. I would like to make a healing check using this first aid kit. Aww. Oh. Okay, how do healing checks work? This is our first one. So, um, in a healing check, you declare how much damage you would like to heal, and then uh, the difficulty of that check is the same level as the amount of damage. So in this case, it would be a level 5 task to heal all 5 points of that damage, which I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for broke. But with my first aid kit, it'll be one step easier. Okay, any effort into that? Yes, I would like to spend one level of effort. Okay, that makes it a level 3, which means he has to roll a 9. Mm-hmm. Part of the cards guide me. No, I do seven. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you tried your hardest. Well, you can repeat healing checks as many times as you want if you fail. Once you succeed one, you can't use a healing check on that same person until the next day. So we're just going to sit here for a half an hour with you trying to pull glass shards out of Misha? Well, I mean, I've, this is costing me intellect points, so not I'm not going to do it forever, but I want to make one more try with the same level of effort. Okay. Ellie's just in the corner rolling her eyes. I would like to attempt a third time with the same <laughs> level of effort. Alright, there we go, I did it. Let me just subtract those extra points. Alright, Misha, you're healed back uh, up to full. Misha's gonna say, uh, I, I truly admire your persistent sock. I wasn't that hard, but thank you very much for your efforts. I appreciate it. So as you're doing that, Hamish has picked up all the shards and he's looking down at the oozing goo. And he says, yeah, no, that was really impressive. Actually, could you? No, it's not gonna work. He's gone. And I have to come to terms with that. Again. Could you just give these glass shards to my brother Ignatius? He could probably use them to, to to make something. And Jacques just sort of holds out his hands. Seeing 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 Jacques hold out his hands for glass <laughs> shards, Hopper's gonna be like, "Be careful!" <laughs> Can I stick my hands in the way of the glass shards <laughs> and grab them because I have armor? Oh God, this is this is the handshake all over again. <laughs> Christian, you want to get in on this hot shit? Uh, I think it's best if Ellie takes the glass shards because her hands are literally metal and the rest of ours are not. Okay, you take the glass shards. I wasn't going to make you roll. Definitely not now. All right, and you walk into, uh, you walk down the stairs into Ignatius's room and I have a description here. So who's all walked downstairs? Me. Me. Not I. All right, just you two? I'm not, like, getting anything. I just didn't want Ellie to go downstairs by herself. All right, and then Misha, you're staying, uh, you're staying upstairs, right? Yes. Um, as you walk down the stairs, beads of sweat start to form on most of your skin from a sudden increase of temperature. Once you hit the bottom, you find yourself in a low-ceiling room about the size of a small bedroom and simmering with warm light. 
An assortment of tools are neatly shelved in multiple cabinets lining the walls, and at the center is a large machine that can be best described as the Swiss Army Knife of industrial carpentry equipment. Working on the machine is a larger individual with an ill-fitting yet disarming mustache. As you enter, you watch him put the finishing touches on a piece of armor, which he places inside a deep blue box. He then taps the box, which flutters out of existence, leaving behind a small little piece of paper, a small little receipt. The smith, who you would know as Ignatius, then picks up the paper and places it in his pocket before turning over and noticing you. So, it happened again with Hamish, didn't it? Uh, what was in the jar? You, you don't want to know. And he, he takes the glass shards and he puts them in a pocket. He says, all right, I'm Ignatius. I'm uh, I'm the, the smith here. I make all sorts of products, anything you want. I can also upgrade your armor. Is there anything I can help you with? Can you make it stronger? Well, define strength, ma'am. Strength comes in many shapes and forms. Okay, okay. I in mean... fact, uh, when I was young, I thought strength was the strength of a man lifting something. But I found out it's the strength in one's heart, the strength in one's mind, the strength... I want to get things. (laughs) Very well, ma'am. You want an upgrade to your weaponry? Well, I was thinking that I could hit things with my body. Mm. Like, make myself into a weapon. Okay. That's, like, inner strength, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, What kind of upgrade would you like on your armor, ma'am? What would you suggest if I wanted to hit things with my body? Well, if you wanted to hit things, I suppose I could stick some, uh, if you have some sort of, like, sharp object, I could stick things in it, you know, like that over there, and you see him point to a small, uh, cylinder made out of wood that looks like what humans would think of as a bat, and it's just got a bunch of nails hammered into it. Well, I mean, I did that thing, so, like, I I could do that, but I would need something to, uh, to make it sharper with. Do you have nails? Um, what? if you have nails, can you make them come out of my fists? Like your your physical fist, ma'am? Yeah, like my fist. Like if I hit things. And you're sure you don't want a glove? I mean, there's more metal than finger anyway. Well, um, yes, I suppose I can do that. Uh, can you make them come in and out? Like when I when I clench my fists, like they, they come out of my knuckles, like to punch things. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I suppose, uh, although that might take me, oh, that might take me a little bit of a while. Since you're requesting a custom weapon uh, and you don't have any equipment to give him to make it, it will take him about a chapter's worth of time to develop this for you. I mean, I do have a large toolkit, which includes the spikes that I've already put in my body. Can I give him spikes? (laughs) I'm sorry, the way you said that. I knew it would come to this someday, I suppose. Uh, sir, you might not want to see this. Uh, in fact, could you uh, could you get rid of any nails that I have around here? And he points to the bat and says, just, just take that upstairs. I can't bear to look at it anymore. Hopper's more than happy to leave at this point. He came, he just like does the, all right, and then takes the bat and goes upstairs. All right, 20 shins, please, ma'am. I'm going to slap the shins on the work table and slide them over to him. All right, we're going to flash away from this demon scene for a second. Um, you just hear the like pained screams of Ignatius and the cackling laughter of Ellie as you just hear the machines whir. And Hop comes up carrying a bat with nails in it. Hop comes up wearing a bat, carrying, wearing a bat, carrying a bat. Carrying a bat. No, you're, no, you're wearing it. It's just like, you know, like uh, the super cool thing where like the guy's got like the bat behind his head and he's just like, you know, the teenage model pose. Oh, you're like doing this, but they're nails out of it that sounds like it'd be uncomfortable yeah <laughs> so 
so Hop's not doing that. He's just carrying it. <laughs> Hopper Scotch, I am very concerned. This, oh, no, this was just down there. Ellie didn't want it. She's, um, buying stuff. <laughs> but it is such a curious type of weapon. It seems to be made of wood, but it has nails into it. Is it, is it a really rare weapon for humans to use? Nah, I think you just hammered nails into a bat. Do you want it? Well, it is quite unique. I have never encountered any of these in any of my research about humans before. You mean you haven't encountered nails hammered into bats as part <laughs> of your research into humans? Indeed. May I request holding it? Yeah, he, he'll hand it. But he will make sure to like flip it upside so he's handing her the handle and not the part that's covered in nails. You know, the way that someone hands you scissors, but they make sure not to hand you the sharp part. I appreciate it. We should just going to start batting it. We're like, this is quite... Hopper ducks immediately. <laughs> like, no. Can he do the thing where he goes like ducks underneath the bat? <laughs> yes. All right, so Misha, so this bat is a medium weapon, but it does have one point of piercing damage. So essentially, if you hit someone with it, their armor is going to count as one less. But something curious happens when you grab it. Like, when you feel it and you extend it for a moment, it feels like your arm is complete again. (laughs) I'm a Sweeney Todd now (laughs) with a bat. Yeah, but like Sweeney Todd references aside, you don't feel complete, but something about the curious haphazard nature, the ingenuity of the ways in which you can just basically murder people. Something about it feels like home. Something about this ingenuity of this weapon of pain and destruction just feels feels like home. Ooh. So Misha is going to be a little bit interested on it and slightly scared, but the interest is going to override the fears that they have about it. They're just going to look at Hop and say, can I keep it? Uh, Hop is going to look at Hamish and say, like, do we need to buy it? How much is it? Well, I don't know. A, a shin? Uh, I have no sh- I, I have spent <laughs> all of spent my money. Hopper will just sigh and then take a shin out of his pocket and <laughs> put it in, like, the jar. I spent my shin on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we should probably... Uh, the, this shopping has gone so much longer than I thought it would. I'm sorry, dear <laughs> listeners. Um, we're going to flash back. The procedure is done. It's over with. Um, so, Ellie, what were the kind of things that, like, describe the medal that you gave that you gave him? I won't worry, no. <laughs> is it Azur steel? Yeah, it's, oh, shit. Yeah, it's Azur steel, which is this kind of bluish metal. You can stab incorporeal <laughs> enemies, I think. <laughs> you can stab motherfucking ghosts, though. <laughs> so, Ellie has these... Azure steel, three of them. Things that come out of her fists. Her fists are normally medium weapons, and they do four damage normally. Now that you are the motherfucking Wolverine, they do six damage. You're welcome. All right, anything else we want to buy? Is she coming upstairs now? Ellie rises from the basement victoriously, clenching and unclenching her fists. Shock is going to look very relieved that Ellie is okay, then rush up asking, Are you are you alright? They didn't do anything to you down there. You're fine. I am more than fine. They did just what I needed. Okay. Well, last time I was told that someone just went shopping, they were actually dead. Oh, um, no, I just got really pointy things that come out of my fists. And that makes other people dead and keeps me from being dead. 
oh, it is quite a coincidence. I also got something with really pointy things coming out as what I would consider an extension of my arm. And they will show Ellie doing that. Oh, I'm going to grab it and like just swing it around as hard as I can. Oh, no, please don't do that. Please don't. You smash something else. I hand it back sheepishly. Please do be careful with it. But I would like to see what pointy things have been introducing to you. So I can gauge how big they are pretty well, right? Yeah. Okay, I want to get just the right distance away and shoot them out of my fist. Nice. Right in front of- No! Give me a roll. Give me a roll. Just because you know how long they are doesn't mean it's not going to be tough. 13. Yeah, you do it. I want it just like an inch from Misha's nose. Ugh. Oh god. Look! Ooh, Misha's going to be pretty unfazed by this. And to be like, oh, that is quite impressive. Hopper is going quietly up to Hamish and saying, what what, what did she break? Was it was it expensive? Was it important? Well, no, it's, 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 it's fine. No, it's fine. Did we break a friend? No, it's just... It was just a cipher. It wasn't going to be any good anyway. Well, that's good to hear. I'm done shopping. How about you guys? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think we should go. As you leave Penny in pocket, a single tear rolls down Hamish's <laughs> cheek. Oh, no. I was going to pay for it, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, depending. I only have thirteen shins now. <laughs> And as you leave, so much faster than it was put together, that tent just collapses back into the, like, just a single coin against the floor. Well, they do believe this is certainly a quite entertaining experience for shopping, it being my second ever experience doing these things. We should do it again soon, Lee.